Welcome to the Century 21 Foundation Series, an introduction to our unique process and how we help agents build better businesses, defy mediocrity, and deliver extraordinary client experiences. Let's get started. Okay, we are here for our next part of our foundation series. Um, We have been on a long journey together so far. Um, So it's Dylan and I here today um, going through the next phase of what we're going to talk about. So just kind of a review of where we're at. Um, We've done a lot. You have done a lot. You've been listening to a lot. Um, You've done kind of learned about us, learned about our unique process, how we're going to help you continue to build a better business and kind of how we think about it, how we go about it. Um, you've learned how to take control of your leads. You've started to learn about your archetype and how you're going to build your diversified lead generation strategy with your five spokes plan. And we've discussed how to build, sort, and qualify your database, kind of getting the foundations for a business of working by referral. Um, You've spent time learning about how to work with buyers, how to work with sellers, kind of gotten an overview of those things, and you just many, many more things that we've been throwing at you. Um, Today, we really want to take a time to finish that picture, right? So we kind of worked on the unique process picture, and today we're going to finish it. Um, So now we're actually in the middle um, of building an extraordinary client experience um, so that we have a tribe of advocates who would gladly refer to us. Um, So we're in that middle of the phase in our funnel, and we want to just kind of dig into some of the philosophy behind it before we get into some of the practicalities of how to go about it. So Dylan's here to walk us through some of those concepts today. Um, We have two central ideas about this extraordinary client experience. So it starts with the experience economy. So Dylan, why don't you kind of dig into what is the experience economy and how did you get there? How did I get there? Yeah, how did you get there? <clears throat> well, we all got there. Yeah. And uh, we, we've we been there for quite some time. This is actually a book that you can read. Uh, I think it's called The Experience Economy. There's several economists that discuss this at length. And we've been talking about this for several years now within our organization. And so, super simple idea. We're going to cover two ideas today and then some really to-dos, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So let's start with the ideas. The first is this this idea called the experience economy. So super simple. Um, if you go way, way back, I always like to picture the uh, the caveman or hunter-gatherers or whatever. Right. We all lived in what was called the first of the four economies, the commodity uh, economy, the commodity environment, where I had wood, you had eggs, I need eggs, you need some wood. And so we just barter back and forth yep. and we get what we need by trading and everything's just a commodity. And then... As we, as we progress in society, we start to um, well, harness tools and all sorts of stuff, and we start to refine those yep. commodities. And all of a sudden, my wood becomes a table and chairs. And, but, but to do that, I have to become more specialized now. And so it takes more and more of my time, and I have to live just in my world. And, but now you are starting to, well, I don't know what you're making with your eggs. <laughs> uh, omelets? Maybe <laughs> omelets. And so you started an omelet restaurant, but yep. uh, obviously now we've got currency. And so, but we're moving more into what we would call the, the goods market, good, good, goods uh, economy or, or environment. And, um, and that, that goes on for quite some time. We, for the last uh, 100 years or so, since the Industrial Revolution, we've been living in what we would call the service economy, mm-hmm. where most of what, for example, America is up to these days really isn't manufacturing any goods or having any commodities. No, yeah. We're just engaged in the process of providing service to a lot of the businesses that have commodities or goods that they're exchanging. Mm-hmm. So a good example of this is insurance. Yeah. Insurance makes nothing. 
it builds nothing. It has nothing. It just provides a service to the people that need to trade their goods back and forth. And so we've lived in the service economy for quite some time. And we've talked about this, about how America increasingly doesn't manufacture anything, right? Right. We live in the service space. Well, the idea behind the experience economy is that we've shifted from commodity to goods, goods to service. And and now for the last 15, 20 years, the consumer, specifically in America and the first world, is living more and more in what we would call the experience economy, where, you know, by by definition, a a commodity is sold or exchanged for the lowest price. So if you've got wood, I've got wood, and somebody wants to barter or buy wood from us, they're going to buy the cheaper of the two products because they're right. exactly the same. Right. A two-by-four is a two-by-four. Right. And, uh, and, and that, so that's, by definition, commoditized. Then we move into goods, and, and at some point, that starts to become commoditized. Right. And where we're at now is insurance, real estate. Yep. Most service spaces are completely commoditized. It really, from the consumer standpoint, at least, they view a realtor as a realtor as a realtor. You're all the same to me. Now, we know that's not true, but the average buyer or seller doesn't. And the truth is that today, a lot of us are no longer buying into a service. We're actually buying into the experience we receive Mm -hmm. or the experience we have during that uh, transaction in the service sector. So we're living in what we call the experience economy and um, and real estate is squarely in that space where Absolutely. our our service now is completely commoditized. And if we yes. don't find a way, you really got two options. Option one is to create a remarkable experience for the client that they're willing to pay for. Right. The second option is to join the race to the bottom, where slowly but surely you have to reduce your prices because you're just in the sea of sameness. Right. And everybody's got the same stuff to sell, and the only way to win is through pricing competition. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, I think we can, consumers do see realtors more in, more in that service space, right? Like why would I choose you? So we really do have to work to create something that is different and differentiate ourselves through the experience. There's all kinds of different, right? There right. can be, you can be different weird, you can be different <laughs> goofy, you got guys doing strange videos and um, you got people, I don't know, handing out interesting, I, I, I was dealing with some brokers this week that um, they provide a free holiday, uh, vacation resort certificates okay. with every person that lists a home. Okay. So you can throw gifts or money or whatever at the problem. But for us, we, we, we believe that the experience that we need to create is, is not just like added extras. Right. It's central to the transaction. And right. we have to allow our client to feel safe, secure, loved, cared for. More than that, that we have been anticipating problems coming down the channel for them. That's the experience we want them to have. If we want to win the game that we've been talking about, if we want to win that second sale and turn these people into an advocate. Yeah, exactly. So there's a really good story that you tell, um, or that's even out there that you can even find. Um, But we talk about, to really solidify this example, um, there's a really good story that we talk about the mint on the pillow, right? Like the four seasons experience um, to kind of really define this or kind of give it a visual. Um, can you can you tell me a little bit more about that? It's a good one. Yeah, well, if you think about a hotel room, so let's play a game with the Holiday Inn. I think we've all stayed at a Holiday Inn at some point. I don't know what that costs today. It's gone through the roof though. Yeah. But let's just say a, 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 an affordable hotel is going to cost you 100 bucks, 150 bucks for the night. Right. And if you look at the dimensions of the room and the mattress and the number of pillows and the number of TVs, it's uh, pretty comparable to... Uh, really the size and structure of a room at the Four Seasons. Right. The Four Seasons, however, is going to cost you anywhere from four fifty to nine ninety nine a night. 
and and upwards for the same size room. Now, right. granted, the sheets are slightly nicer. Right. The uh, the mattresses may be more expensive, and some of the decor is nicer. Right. But, but at the end of the day, it's what what are you really paying for? Well, a place to sleep. Most people are paying for a place to sleep. Right. And if you're paying for a place to sleep, you're kind of stupid to stay at the Four Seasons for a thousand bucks when you can stay at the Holiday Inn for one fifty. But exactly, people do it. Yeah. And the issue is that people aren't actually paying for a place to sleep. They're paying for a whole bunch of other stuff. Like, what is Nike selling, right? Nike's not selling shoes. Nike's selling yeah, like the, whole, the ability to the conquer, life. conquer yes. the world, and yes. win at life. Mm-hmm. And um, well, what the Four Seasons is selling is exclusivity and an experience and a feeling of being special. So when we say the mint on the pillow, what we mean by that is when you pull up at a Four Seasons. Um, the guys at the front door will open the trunk. They'll grab your bag. They'll actually check your bag for a name tag. Mm-hmm. They'll radio into the front desk and the front desk will then, as you walk to the front desk, they'll greet you by name mm-hmm. and they'll say, Hey, uh, uh, Miss Fisher, welcome back to uh, the four seasons. I see uh, you're returning to us and you've stayed with us before in whatever location. Right. And they may even know certain things about some of your preferences of what you've ordered or requested or preferred. Yeah. And so the Four Seasons is a great example, and the hotel industry is a great example of a business that understands that it's not about the commodity or the good mm-hmm. or even the service of uh, having your sheets changed at night. Right. It's about the experience of feeling a certain way, right. and uh, they really have mastered it uh, right. along with other spaces. Right. So, And they do, actually, what's interesting to me when you get like kind of some the logistics of how they do it is they, they really do just honestly take really good notes, right? And so they keep all of that. Everyone has access to it. And so having your favorite, I think the example you've used before, your favorite cigar waiting for you in well, your room. that's a true story. Yeah, uh, I mean, like, that is that is remarkable to me. That it feels, is. It, it feels different. And it costs money to be able to do that. But right. if you've got to have a team that wakes up in the morning and goes, okay, we need to know who our guests are. We need to know right. what they ask for. We need to take notes, like you're saying. Yes. So it starts with something as small as the mint on the pillow. Right. You know, when you stay at a Holiday Inn, you get your bedroom, and then you sleep in it. Yep. When you stay at something nicer, there's a turndown service and they put a little nice mint on your pillow and just say, or maybe they shape the towels a certain way. Well, that's what makes you feel special. But that keeps going up all the way to the example uh, that you mentioned of the cigar, where uh, the story is that there's a gentleman staying at a location. He asks for a very specific Mm -hmm. brand of cigar, Mm -hmm. which they actually track down for him. And anyway, he smokes it. I I believe the story is he's smoking it on the patio. Mm And the team that cleans the room finds half of it. They clean it up. They wrap it for him so that he's still got the other half of his cigar. Anyway, it's several months or years later that he shows up at a different Four Seasons location and waiting for him in his room is that exact same brand of cigar. Now, that takes intentionality and thought process, right? And thinking ahead, getting ahead, yeah. But the feeling that that individual, that guy, gets when he walks in that room and has that level of care, there's really nothing like that. And so it takes work to pull this off, but if you can pull it off, you own the client and they love you and they're loyal and they want to be an advocate. Right, and so that feeling, like we're creating these feelings in people so that we're really thinking about the experience for them, making it very personal to them and their feelings about that. Um, so we actually, there's another book that I want to reference here um, that we have read before as a team, but we suggest going back to it because all of our newbies haven't. Um, it's called The Purple Cow. And it's such a it's a, such a cool book. Um, and it, it really sticks out as a visual to me. It really like really solidifies this idea as well. Um, what's The Purple Cow? Well, it's a lot more accessible than the experience economy. So unless, right. unless you're right. an economist. This one's a good one. It's a good easy read. <clears throat> yeah. 
So unless you're an economist, I would skip the first book. Yeah. But The Purple Cow by Seth Godin is a no-brainer read so for good. everybody to uh, to take in if you're in the well, the real estate space, but anything marketing related. The Purple Cow is a super simple kind of silly idea. You're driving down the road, your kids are in the back of the car, and uh, you're driving through Iowa because that's where we live in, right. or Texas maybe. And on the side of the road, the kids see a cow. And the first cow they see, they go, Mom, Dad, look, a cow. Ooh. Second cow, they go, oh, look, there's another cow. An hour into the trip, Cows are really just gets things. a little less exciting. Well, they're just things on the side <laughs> of the road, right? And well, that's what that's what commodities are, and that's right. what most goods are, and that's what most services, services are. are. Mm-hmm. But if you're driving down the road and all of a sudden you see a purple cow, like a bright purple cow standing there with the others, well, first question is, well, what do you do? Uh, oh my gosh! Like you stop and you look at it, and you're well, literally, yeah, literally stop, yeah. And then what would you do once you stop? Um, I would definitely get out of the car. I mean, with our technology today, I would definitely be taking a picture of it and I would be sharing with all of my friends. You'd tell the world about yeah, the purple absolutely. cow because like, you found so something and remarkable. Different. Yeah. And it's something worth sharing. That's the, that's what the word remarkable yeah. means. It's something worth remarking on. Mm-hmm. And so we need to create purple cows inside of the sales experience and even the after sales experience and even the non-sales experience yes. with our database. Yes. How can we care for, anticipate problems for love, protect, guide, direct, be a consultant for, and even a friend for our database and our clients and our past clients in such a way that it is something worth commenting on at a right. cocktail party right. or at, a, at the pool in the summer or wherever it is. People want to share really good things. Yeah. We've talked about this a yeah. bunch already. And so the thing is you have to create that really good thing. You have to create the mint on the pillow. Yes. You have to create the remarkable yes. experience. You have to find the cigar. And you have to figure out how to how to place that cigar in front of the client in a way that they're going to want to share that with everyone. So yeah. Purple Cow is a great read. What we say out of that is that satisfied clients rarely refer. We borrowed this from Buffini. Yep. But uh, satisfied clients rarely refer. What we're saying is if you show the house, if you negotiate the contract, if you handle the inspection, and if you get it to close on time, what you did was your job. Yep. And what you get for your job is a paycheck. Yep. But if you're looking for more than a paycheck, if you're looking for referrals, if you're looking for an advocate, if you're looking for someone to stick their neck out for you and tell friends and family and grandma that they need to work with you, well, it's going to take more than you do in your job. It's going to create a purple cow. It's going to create a remarkable, yep. it's got to be a remarkable experience. It's got to be the mint on the pillow. And that's what the experience economy is all about. It's yeah. about waking up today in 2022 and moving forward and understanding um we don't sell real estate for a living and we uh, we can't just do the job of getting people through the sale. Yeah. And so it takes, again, a lot of intentionality, yep. but anyone's willing to do it is going to win this game. Yeah. So I, I love that. I mean, I want to repeat it. Satisfied clients rarely refer. It's all about how you made them feel during the process, not just about getting the job done. Um, so we really want to focus on those remarkable and extraordinary experiences that are um, personalized and special to them. Really kind of work on that feeling. So it's good. Okay. That's our economics lesson that, yeah, for the morning, right? right? That's our experience economy. <clears throat> um, so we're digging into the second concept that kind of helps explain all of this. Um, we have a, a concept that we I mean, teach our staff and we teach our agents. Um, we want everyone to kind of know about, in this context, the front stage and the backstage. Um, so front stage, back, backstage, how do we define this? Well, again, nothing that we know we made up, right? We've, right. We've learned a lot from a lot of great people. And so this was one that we've learned from actually a coach that Joe and I have gone to over the last decade um, 
called strategic coach. So the front stage and the backstage is an idea really related to how we orchestrate Mm -hmm. creating this remarkable client experience. Because Mm -hmm. to get that cigar um, to that guy, the way that story tells, well, that took a lot of planning. That took a lot of training. That took a lot of forethought, foresight. There was a lot that had to go on backstage, right? So when we talk about the front stage and the backstage, we like to think of the front stage as being the place where the show is going on, yep. right? And so in a, in a hotel experience, that's the the bed, it's the greeting at the mm-hmm. door, it's the swimming pool, it's the restrooms that they go to. All mm-hmm. of that is where the client actually in, interacts with your experience. experience. Yep. The backstage then is where all the work Work. had to happen behind the scenes to put that together. The hiring, the firing, the training, the HR issues, the ordering of the towels, the... The actual laundry. Like I'm imagining like all the mechanical areas and where they're like running back. Yeah, you don't see it. And if you're walking down the halls of a holiday in or four season, the... Well, actually, in some holiday inns, you walk down the hall and, and you, do. you see a door. And by the way, I stay at the holiday inn all the time, yes. right? So we're not. Yes, uh, we're not. We're not saying it's bad. It's just there's a different idea. One's about economy, right? One's about experience. And so, yeah, you don't want to see into the laundry room. No, it actually makes you think about the fact that the sheets that you're sleeping on, somebody else slept on the right. night before. Like you don't. Wanna, yeah. I don't want to think about that. Yeah. So, front stage is the is is where our clients in any industry are yes. actually interacting or interfacing with our product offering yes and the backstage is all the things that have to go on behind the scenes including your ce you name it right right sharpening your pencils all the work that has to happen yeah that frankly adds no value and this is where people get a little iffy on this yeah all value is realized on the front stage now it doesn't mean that all the work you did to come up with these great ideas or put them into play or execute them isn't valuable. Right. It just means it's not valuable to the customer. Yeah. The customer only finds and realizes and feels value in the front stage where we deliver this. And we've got to make sure that the backstage noise, all the work that we do behind the scenes doesn't bleed into the front stage because really the client doesn't care about your CE and they don't care about your staffing problems and they don't care about whether or not your check got to you on time. These are, these are, these distract actually and detract from the client experience. So the best example, can I just jump into that one? Yeah, do it. Yeah, this one's good for me. Uh, We like to think about a theater experience. So this really defines the front stage. I mean, there's a stage, literally, literally, and the backstage. So I always picture, I don't know, what you, have, have you been to many shows? Uh, no, I missed Hamilton recently, actually. I want to go. But I didn't yeah, see that live. But there are really, yeah, really good shows. I saw Wicked. Wicked is amazing. Um, Seen it. But yeah. I like to think of uh, a Peter Pan production, right. even, um, because there's some remarkable stuff that happens in a Peter Pan uh, good. Uh, show. Anyway, the front stage in a theater example, well, there's a lot of touch points, if you think about it. It's not just the show itself. Right. It's the... Booking of the ticket. How easy was that process for you? Right. When you received the tickets for your show to Hamilton, how did they come to you? What did right. they look like? Were they on time? Um, all that's front stage. When you walked in the door, was there parking? Was the parking yeah. accessible? How'd that go? Yeah. When you walked in, did somebody greet you or were you confused where to go? Did someone usher you to your seats? When you needed to go to the restroom, was were they clean? Mm-hmm. Or was there vomit on the floor from last night's <laughs> rock terrible. concert? Well, <laughs> well, talk about yeah. an easy way to ruin a front stage experience Absolutely. for a customer who needs to use a restroom. Were the seats comfortable? Um, was there food concessions available? 
Um, how did you feel throughout the show? And then obviously the production itself, Absolutely. right? That that matters so, for sure. Mm-hmm. But but it's important to think about all, all the, the stuff pieces. around the showing. Absolutely. See, we're stuck on the showing and we think the showing matters or the listing presentation right. matters. But it, it only matters as much as all the other touch points because if any one of those ruins the experience for the customer, yeah. well, their entire experience is jaded by that. And that's the feeling they're going to carry Walk with Walk away them. with, yes. And this is the hard part about killing it in any any space is yeah. you only have to screw up once or twice. <laughs> right. And everything that you did right stops mattering. Yeah, doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. Okay. So that's the front stage. Well, at some point in that show, uh, we like to think of all sorts of things that could, uh, well, let's think of Peter Pan yes. all of a sudden. And we're watching the show, our seat's comfortable, we got our popcorn, um, the bathroom was clean, and all of a sudden, <laughs> Peter Pan flies across the stage, and we're like, wow, that's magical. so incredible. It is magical, because Peter Pan can fly. <laughs> and, uh, well, it turns out that behind the scenes, someone was cleaning that bathroom, because there was a rock concert last night. <laughs> behind the scenes, someone had to fix the chair you were sitting on, because the bolts were loose last week. And behind the scenes, somebody was standing on the stage yep. with their hands on a rope, Yep pulling the rope up to fly Peter Pan across the stage. And if you got to see that, you'd actually be distracted. It would, it would be less magical. Yes, absolutely. And so the point is front stage, backstage, two different spaces of our business. And we have to work furiously in the backstage, but backstage absolutely. to create a remarkable client experience on the front stage. So we often draw this on the board. Um, so, I mean, I mentioned when we jumped into this next concept that um, we teach this concept to our staff as well. So um, let's let's talk a little bit about our company and how we actually think about our front and back stages, I guess, because we have several. It's pretty unique, actually. Well, and we're talking to a bunch of our agents here, so yeah. we won't get into all of our yeah, backstage right? because we've got a ton of work that we do behind the scenes to create a great awards banquet right. or to create a great ASC experience. When you turn in your loop, um, we've been working furiously with meetings. Like sometimes we have to say, "Hey guys, we're shutting down the office for the day," which actually impacts our front stage for right, our agents. Right. But it's because we've got to go plan and work and train and think and and improve all of our processes so that we can create a better and better experience. Yes. And again, some of those backstage the work that we're we're working on is for a front stage experience that's visibly front stage, like our awards banquet. Right. But others are like. Keeping our offices clean. You know, we've got to we've got to hire cleaners and sometimes they don't show up and then we've got to figure out how to clean the floors because there was a snowstorm and now they're salted. All of this is the backstage. Right. And so we have a backstage and a front Absolutely. stage. Absolutely. And then obviously we we're in the business of helping agents build, build better, better businesses. Business. Yep. And so we bring on these agents and our front stage really creates the space to train them and build them up. Really our front stage is our agents, agents backstage. Yep. And so when they come to a team meeting, yep. that's a backstage thing for an agent. This is my training. It's my team meeting. It's administrative. You certainly don't need to bring your clients no. to that. <laughs> but for us, that's our front stage. We're, we're providing an environment to coach and train our agents. So we right. all have a backstage and a front stage yes. if we're in the business. And there's lots of points. I mean, one of them is to be careful about where you bleed yes. over one, one to the other. But the other is to just own this very simple idea, like yep. we said, all value is derived by the by the client in the experience economy on the front stage. And so we've got a ton of work to do. Work to be done. And we would call that working on your business. Yeah. I mean, this is the old adage. You've got to be able to work on and, and in. in. And yeah. so the in kind of tends to happen in that front stage space where you're out running around with right. your clients and presenting offers. 
And, uh, and then there's this backstage work to be done working on our business. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that kind of wraps up. I and mean, I think we've touched on all the points that front stage backstage is. So how do we actually make this practical? Why does this matter? Right. Like, why does this matter? And how do we make this practical? Um, so yeah. Well, and I, I think let's run through a couple of examples, yeah. but the way we do this, and we've been doing this for years and years and years, we've been coaching our agents, something called the front stage audit. Mm-hmm. And as a brand new agent, we've got to start thinking about our front stage as a 10-year, 20-year veteran. Every year, every six months, we should be doing an audit of our front stage. And think of this, it's like undercover boss almost. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's go and walk through your customer experience. Think about all of the touch points where our customer interfaces with the product that we offer. And think about, well... What is the feeling that we want our clients to have at that phase of the transaction? Yep. And when we think about that feeling and we spend a little bit of time, to, first of all, if we're doing this, we're in the top 1% of realtors in the world, right? Absolutely. Because agents are not thinking this way. Well, they're certainly not listening to this kind of podcast, right? right? Exactly. So when we, when we start with that idea and we think about what is the feeling we want them to have, and then we start asking ourselves, well, what's working and what's not working? Yep. As I look at my customer experience, and, and this is important, we need to not think about the whole. Century 21, Absolutely. what they provide as a global entity, really doesn't matter to you here. And what we provide as a company really also doesn't matter to you. What matters is when your buyer or your seller is dealing with you through your process, with the tools, systems, whatever that we've given you, what are they feeling and yep. how can you make that feeling remarkable? And what's working, what's not, and what new ideas can you implement? And that's it. That is the front stage experience. We just list out the touch points in the buyer, seller, or even our SOI experience. Yeah, absolutely. And then we, we, we ask ourselves, what's the ideal experience? What's working? What's not? And what ideas could we implement to improve? And one final thought on this before we give a couple of examples. Yeah. Yeah. This is just an ongoing, never ending game. Yes. So we're doing this every year, every quarter, every six months. We're constantly looking at our front stage, asking what can we tweak? And we don't have to, I don't know, we have to build the pyramids in a week. Change the world, right? No. We just need to slowly but surely be adding and improving our client experience. And And not just adding and improving. The world changes, right? So some of our processes have has to to change change along the way. But if you approach your real estate business this way, it might be slow. It might be a lot of work on the backstage to get this done. But slowly but surely, you start to build something very, very beautiful. Um, And uh, and we, we actually call this an experience monopoly. Yeah. Where... Once you've created, and a lot of our agents are there, frankly, yeah. where yeah, we all have lockbox access, we all have the MLS, we all can show homes, but some of our agents have got to the place where what they create for their clients, the information, the templates, the experience that they've created is a monopoly. It's not a monopoly in that no one else legally can do it. Right. It's a monopoly in that they've really the mastered they've this. It. And they've built such tight connections with these individuals that no one else can provide them. So when we think experience economy, our ultimate goal actually is to create an experience monopoly Monopoly. where what we provide our clients, they know no one else can do this for me. No one else knows, well, frankly, which cigar I prefer to smoke. Right. Right. Um, but but you do. You do. And and not only do I know that you know that about me, I know that when I refer someone to you. You're, you're gonna also go. Going to do you're that. gonna go out of your way to do yes. that for them, and why wouldn't I want my friends, family, coworkers, grandma yes. to have that experience? Because we all want to pass stuff like that on to 
people yeah. we love. Yeah. And I, before we do dig into the experiences to our new agents, I just want to say one more thing. This seems daunting, right? Like you're like, I don't even, I barely know how to open a lockbox, right? Uh, so this is something that you want to work on as you go. Um, so when you do kind of get the basics down, this is what's next. So even just the thought of it now, when you can make it more you know, really thinking about their feelings and their experience, um, take it one step at a time. Well, and if that's where you're at, then it sounds like the first thing you need to do and what's working and what's not working is figure out how to figure out. Yeah. I mean, those are the things, right? So it, it, it really does change depending on where you're at in your business and the phase that you're in. So just one step at a time, um, figure it out and keep moving on from there. So 20 years in the brokerage business and we're still doing this absolutely every single year. Absolutely. And all of our top agents are as well. If you've listened to some of their podcasts, they bring it up too. So, um, okay. So let's dig into a couple, um, just examples. So, um, if you're following along, you will have this piece of paper in front of you. Um, and it walks you through, um, thinking we have some suggested points of contact, but we're not saying that this is the end all be all list. So thinking through all your points of contact with your interactions, um, and the next thing that you think about for each of these things is the ideal experience. Um, so the best way I can describe how to come up with the ideal experience is focusing on feeling words. Um, so we're just going to kind of take a couple and we're going to run through them with some of ideas, some of our ideas, buyer consultation and the buyer inspection process. Um, so the ideal experience, um, I'm really passionate about the buyer consultation, the ideal experience when you're sitting down with a buyer for the first time, having a consultation with them. Um, what do we want them to feel? How do we want them to feel, right? Um, so some of the feeling words that come to my mind right away, um, I want them to feel informed right away. I want them to feel educated. I want them to be sitting across that table with me from me at the coffee shop or the at the office and going, huh, this, this person knows what they're talking about, right? Um, I want to start building that trust in, in their eyes. I want them to kind of feel honestly connected to me and connected to the process that we're going to, that we're at this journey that we're going to go on together. Um, yeah. So any other safe. insight on that? I want them to feel safe. Safe is good. Yeah. Um, I want them to, it's interesting. I want them to feel like they learned something new, right? Not in a way that like you're dumb and I know things that you don't know, but well, if I'm hiring a professional, I kind of want to know that yes. they're ahead of me in this process. Yes. So I want to learn some things and I want to feel like I can trust this person and I want to yes. feel like they're a consultant to me. I want to feel like, well, I want them to feel, yeah, yeah. That I want to feel heard. Yes, they're listening. That's really, really good. Those are great words. Um, there's hundreds of these yes. words, but when you start to play with the feeling words, yeah. you really get in the mind or the shoes yeah. of of your buyer client. Yeah, and that's maybe that a good meeting. way to do it. It's kind of think about yourself and on the other side of the table. Like, so, what do you want to feel? So that's what we want our client to feel during a buyer consultation. Yes. And so then the next step is. What's working and not working. So you kind of have to look at your process. And again, depending on where you're at in your business, if you're brand new, it's kind of, okay, I have to figure this out. Maybe the very first thing that's not I've working never is done a buyer I've never done one yeah. or I've, I don't even know what to bring or what to say, right? Like that's kind of what you're working on. But as you go and as you grow, um, if I'm thinking about my current buyer consultations, I feel like in the world that we're now in, maybe I haven't changed enough in my buyer consultation. So what's working is I do feel like I build trust and rapport and relationship and I listen. We have a good conversation. Um, I would say what's working and you know, you all kind of know that I'm a paper nerd. Like I have stuff put together that I bring to every buyer that I do help think helps inform them and keep them educated and those kinds of things. Um, but what I would say is not working um, that I think a lot of our agents have grasped and really run with is more of this, digital space and uh, how I can make this more efficient um, and maybe more quick for our, for the nature of the world. Right. And then the speed with which we move. Um, yeah. So that's kind of some of my working, not working personally 
and by our consultations. Today, right? Today, right. And tomorrow, if you ask the question, it'll be a different set of answers. Right. I thought of another one. I really want my buyer sitting in that meeting to be surprised. Oh, yeah. When I think about mints on the pillow, I think about all the different times throughout the transaction that you can create a sense of of wow. Yeah. And so we always think of client gifts at the back end. I really love the buyer consultation as an opportunity to give a little... A nice coffee mug or right. a gift or something right? Um, for them to go, whoa, oh, that was. Yeah, I love that. I, I think uh, like my second graders teaching class, you know, in my classroom, they walked in the door where they had something on their desk the first day, right? So like this is kind of your first time they're meeting you. So what's kind of something a wow, hey, this is what we're doing together. Like, yeah, I think a wow moment. Yeah, would be good. Well, and that's the point of the process, right? right. It makes you think about, first of all, it puts you in their chair and and then it, it you, you can get a little creative and you can right. start to think about, okay, well, what... And, and they're nuggets. It's it's one thing at a time. What can I right. add to this process? Right. And then what can I, how can I systematize it, right. right? Right. So that this is something that my clients get. Right. And so I love the idea of like a wow moment, right? So that could be a new idea that you would try to implement and think through yeah. how I could do that. Um, other thoughts that I've had on the buyer consultation, um, I, I would love to digitize a um, buyer questionnaire of some kind, like have them already come. I already have some information on them, um, you know, so like a Google form or something like that where I could collect some information before sitting down and meeting them. Um, I think of, I'm probably overwhelming them, honestly, when I sit down for a buyer consultation and I'm giving them so much information. So I would want to step back and go, okay, what can I take apart from this and maybe give them nuggets along the way? And that's where some of our agents have created unbelievably cool buyer uh, like video guides guides and and, yeah yeah yeah. and so all that's where you can get to where you can really build out a roadmap for each of your clients um but i think it's important just start small and even the process of thinking through the process right and uh and just listing out all of the touch points so the points of contact in and of itself is a different way is a great exercise to start getting so the, the other great example that you mentioned was an inspection because when we think of a buyer consultation, it's it's very um, I don't know. It's a sales a context where we're, we're trying to win someone over, yep. and so remarkable there, giving them a gift or something sort of makes sense, right? But when you're in the in the nuts and bolts, right? You're right. in the belly of the beast in right. the middle of an inspection. So, um, what do we want them to feel there? How do you think about that one? Yeah, because this is definitely you've maybe written several offers that when we're in a different place, you've built a relationship at this point, built some rapport at this point. So yeah, I feel like when you get to the inspection, um, they're like, oh, oh, holy moly, I'm buying this house, right? So they're walking in, like maybe viewing it from a different set of, you know, different eyes because this is potentially theirs. 72 now. hours ago, I wanted this. Right. Do I still want this? Yes. Right? So I want them to walk into this inspection feeling, again, I again, I've got their back. Like I'm going to point things out. I want them to feel trust in their home inspector. I want them to feel trust in me. Um, I want them to feel at ease and not anxious um, and kind of understand the process of it as well. So I think of the words informed and educated again here um, because I want to make sure they they feel like they're getting all the pieces about their new home that they're potentially moving into. And then I start to think of pitfalls in, in environments like that because I, you know, I, I, get, I get to deal with the implications of things <laughs> oh, yeah, going you do. wrong. <clears throat> but uh, you know the number one thing that goes wrong in inspections is buyers tend to feel like their agent isn't fighting yes. for them and yes. isn't on their side because they're walking through and saying, well, this is a problem and this is a problem. And we're going, we're like, well, well not really. that's not technically a deficiency. Yeah. yeah. And so that's a great, another word. We want them to, well, words, we want them yeah. to feel like you've got their back, yeah, right? Yeah, that's what I wrote down, yeah. Well, so then it becomes a question of, um, 
Yeah. How, how? can we make sure? And sometimes you've got to be more overt than you think. Yeah. Like you presume that they know that agency means you're on their side. But sometimes you have to say these things. Yeah. And so that's a simple process is right. that every time we conduct an inspection, we have a certain script that we run through with them and say, right. hey, I want to let you know, here's how this is going to work. Yeah. And then if we get even fancier, we can start to create documents for that. And Absolutely. So what do you have on this one? Like, So working, not working, I think, again, just is very probably innate to who you are. I mean, you have to really think about who you are in your process. But some of the new ideas um, that I would have in this space is at this point, I would want some sort of inspection care package um, to, I mean, again, to kind of, we're in this together. So I don't know, this could be, I bring them a tape measure. I bring them their flashlight. I bring them some, you know, just something along the way, just to kind of make it a little more exciting and not so scary. I think as kind of just how we could do that. Um, I think of actually, once we get the inspection, um, I, I would really want to up the game in the consultation of how we're going to go about what we're going to negotiate or what we're going to ask for the seller to do. Which we so, tend to move through pretty quickly. Honestly, like we, we do. We don't want to sit with them and have another meeting right? because we've got other things to do. But I think just really being there for them, yes. they're going to feel so much more um, heard and uh, that you are with them and you've got their back. I mean, so uh, Zoom, <clears throat> like we have Zoom guys, like I feel like a face-to-face call of some kind really digging into this and helping them feel supported in this part of the process would be something I would implement. A small, it's, it's a, it's going to cost some time right? for sure. But that little added touch is a mint, is a cigar. Yeah. Is, uh, <laughs> that makes all the difference Yeah, on the back end of the sale when they're, th- when they're, deciding whether to refer or not they're not deciding they're not thinking right. about it not, they either no. just are they have an impulse or they don't yeah well where does that impulse come from that impulse comes from how they felt Feelings. at that moment absolutely wow angela's really got our back in this right wow that was a thoughtful little cute gift yeah. no i'm never going to use a, a three <laughs> okay. foot tape measure yeah yeah it's fine but it's nice and i appreciate you thinking of me and yeah. it reminded me how much why i chose you yeah and when you later on then come to me and say hey by the way i'm never too busy for your referrals I process that request through the feelings I've had. Way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so the kind of the last part that we didn't talk about on here, I mean, but really transfers to the backstage, right? So we've thought about these ideas that we want to implement on the front stage. Then it really is like, what are the steps to systematize it to get there, right? So these actions and improvements that you can be working on behind the scenes in the backstage to get these things to work and to make it a part of your process and your system. So, yeah. Well, that's uh, that's the remarkable client experience and uh, the experience economy, front stage, backstage, in a nutshell. So the this this some practical homework yes. here, right? Yep. Yeah. So what I would take away from this is just start thinking about this, right? Start thinking about your touch points. Start thinking about how you want your clients to feel. Just get started. And once you do have a better grasp on the business and how things work. This is definitely something as Dylan's mentioned and um, throughout our time is that you want to come back to this at least every year. This should be a part of your annual kind of business planning review. You want to audit what is actually going on in your business and how you can up your game in this experience. Um, so yeah, just get started. Think about the touch points. Um, think about how you want your clients to feel. And as you gain more experience, make sure you come back to this on an annual basis. Yeah, and I really just want to restate, if if you're doing this, if you're taking the time to work on your business, not in it, and if you're truly obsessed with the customer and their experience and their outcome, it's a, it's a, it's a long journey, it's an ongoing process, but you're, you're paddling where everybody else is sitting on a raft floating down a river. And so this is, this is the work that goes on. This is the, the hard work behind yeah. the scenes. This is the backstage. Yep. 
that creates loyalty and advocates. And so no one ever said this was going to be easy, but this is how this is how you win the game. Absolutely. And it's 100% worth taking the time to do. So. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us on our Century 21 Foundation Series. For more resources, other episodes, workbooks, and guides, head to c21foundations.com.